Hey, welcome to episode number 160 of this More Than Bread podcast. I decided to take one more look at Psalm 150, but in some ways it's a wrap-up before the wrap-up, because though I will start in Psalm 150, we'll, we'll fairly quickly move to the New Testament and an application of Psalm 150, specifically an application of that challenge from God through the psalmist, let every breath praise the Lord. You know, I think one of our problems in our culture today and in the American church is that we reduced worship to something we do one day a week in the morning, Sunday morning, and we reduce that even to what happens when we sing, that worship is what happens when we sing, when worship is everything. I'm telling you, worship is everything. Let every breath praise the Lord. Um, it, it, this weekend, I've been a part of uh, the the pack hope at Calvary Church, our church, where we're in the process of packing two hundred forty thousand meals to give to refugees around the world, and thirty thousand um, seed packets to to be a, a future source of hope. and And there's been so many moments, I think, in the midst of this, where just deeply for me, deeply, deeply moments of of worship. When two little girls come up to me and. Uh, give me an envelope with $124 in it that they raised from their lemonade stand to help pay for the meals. Oh my goodness, that was a moment of worship. When when I find out that a a young man, a middle schooler, has, has uh, invited probably about 60 people to come and pack meals with us, I just think, oh my goodness, can, can you believe the smile on God's face? That is a moment of worship. Worship is so much broader than anything. It's every breath. Let Not just let everyone who has breath praise the Lord, but let every breath praise the Lord. So let's dive right in. Listen again to Psalm 150 from the New Living Translation. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. You notice that the only thing that gets mentioned twice in that is cymbals. For all those drummers of you out there, verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ah, let every breath praise the Lord. We, we said that in the last episode, that a literal translation of let everything that has breath praise the Lord is actually let every breath praise the Lord. Let every breath be an act of worship. No breath is wasted if every breath is worship. Listen, don't waste your breath. Let everything that breathes use every breath till our last breath, because no breath of worship is a wasted breath. So we started in the last episode with a moment of worship that Eric Peterson stumbled into, a moment of worship that his dad, Eugene, was experiencing. And then we had Psalm 150's description of worship that descends from the majesty of the heavens to every ordinary breath that we take, a never-ending worship that we stumble into every time we worship. And now in this episode, I just want to close the Psalms with a moment of worship, because the Psalms are so much about worship. But I want to close the Psalms with a moment of worship that I think shows us how to worship when life leaves you breathless. Because there are so many moments throughout the Psalms that leave people without a breath that, that are cries of people who have no breath, times when taking a breath is so hard. We're going to look forward from Psalm 150 to a moment of worship between Jesus and a woman. And, and I just want you to take a deep breath because it's a hard story. 
Matthew describes the moment in his gospel, starting in Matthew 15, verses 21 and 22. It says, Then Jesus withdrew from Galilee, and he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman came to him pleading, A Canaanite woman came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Now, I have a biblical worldview. I believe in demons and angels and epic spiritual battles. I just do. I believe it's hard to make sense of God and life without that worldview. Am I, am I saying that, that, that all problems, uh, that all mental illness is demonic? Of course not. I'm simply saying that God created us as physical, emotional, and spiritual beings, and our deepest needs are shaped and impact all three, shaped by and impact all three. And I'm also saying that it's difficult, if not impossible, to fight for life in an out-of-breath world without acknowledging that we live in the midst of a battle, that true worship throws our enemy into attack mode. If there's anything the enemy wants to win, it's our worship. But for a moment, let's just step away from the specifics and simply put it this way. This woman who comes to Jesus has a daughter. Her daughter is tormented. She's tormented emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And mom has done everything she can. That's what mothers do. But, but nothing has worked. Her daughter's life has been shaped by torment. Unseen forces have busted her heart, confused her mind, and made life hard. And right now, her daughter is her greatest need. Nothing's more important, not her reputation or her stuff. She goes to Jesus for one thing, her greatest, deepest need. She's going to Jesus to see if he can give her the one thing that at that moment matters to her the most in the whole world. Jesus, would you heal my daughter? I can't do it. I have a great need, and I need your help. Listen, true worship often begins, maybe always, I won't say always, but it often begins with brokenness, and it usually involves a battle. (laughs) What's your need, and how are you doing in the battle? The, The story continues in Matthew 15, verses 22 through 24, says, This Canaanite woman came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus... Hear this, Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. They mistook her worship for begging. (laughs) And then Jesus said to this woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Ouch, right? I mean, she comes to Jesus with her deep need. Just this one thing, Jesus. She's pleading, Jesus, help my daughter. Have mercy on me. And Jesus ignored her. He kind of ghosts her, right? She she cries out for mercy and he says nothing. No reply, not even a word. I mean, let that one bite into your heart. If you love Jesus, it's not what you expect. I mean, we don't want to frame that picture of Christ, but in reality, that's the only Jesus picture some people have. You realize that, right? Some of your neighbors, that's their only view of God. I called out to Jesus and nothing, no reply, no help, not even a word. And then to make matters worse, the disciples pile on. They take Jesus' silence for their license to reject her. They tell her to go away. She's bothering us with her begging, Jesus. And and when Jesus finally speaks, it gets worse. (laughs) He he tells her, I'm not for you. I, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel, not you. I mean, double, ouch. First ignored, and now Jesus says, you're, you're not my priority. You just don't matter as much as them. I mean, can you almost kind of feel the 
air leaking out of her lungs. But take a, take a breath, take a deep breath, because in a moment, <laughs> her every breath is going to worship Jesus. And can I just tell you, some of you listening, some of your neighbors are just a breath away from worship. Some of you are just a breath away from worship. Let me just give you a little bit of background on this person who's coming to Jesus. Jesus has gone up north for a little R&R, and this woman comes with her need, her out-of-breath request for life for her kids. She she lives in the region of Tyre and Sidon. The Israelites, I'm telling you, they despised these people. This Jewish historian Josephus, writing around the time of Christ, called the people of Tyre our most bitter enemies. One time Jesus was doing miracles and the people still did not believe. And he said, woe to you cities of Israel. If the miracles I had performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. I mean, basically in that moment, Jesus is saying, think of the most wicked people you know, spiritual nobodies. Every breath they take is a waste of good oxygen. People like those in Tyre and Sidon, you're even worse than them. The point is that she's an outsider. She doesn't have an inside track to Jesus. She's an outsider and an outcast. And she knows it. So when she comes to Jesus, she comes with the traditional words of a beggar. Don't miss that. She comes as a beggar. Have mercy on me, O Lord. I don't deserve it, but have mercy on me, O Lord. She she recognizes Jesus' status as a rabbi. She calls him Lord, and yet Jesus ignores her. I'm, I'm telling you, this is so stinking uncomfortable for me. I don't want Jesus to act that way. I've, I've come to expect it from some of his followers, but not Jesus. Because there's such power for life when someone pays attention to us but it drains the breath out of us when we're ignored. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can't even the number, I can't even number the conversations I've had with people over the years who've who felt like ignored outsiders by the church. Do you realize how this keeps people from worship? There are people in our neighborhoods who will never step foot in church because they know that they're outsiders. And like this woman, when we feel the pain of the walls that seem to keep us out, we have a choice. She could have walked away. In this moment, she has to decide, how great is my need? (laughs) How much do I value my daughter? I mean, can't you almost hear it echo in her heart, this cry that comes from broken-hearted desperation, as well as faith, probably more desperation than faith, but there's still some faith. Some of you are thinking, yeah, uh, but I'm not even sure God cares. Well, neither was she. I mean, Jesus in the flesh told her that she wasn't his priority. You're only guessing. He told her, be honest, haven't we all gone through times when we wondered if God cares? And doesn't that make it hard to worship, hard to catch our breath? Every unanswered prayer leaves room for the question, does God care? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, but God didn't answer. If he cared, if he cared, if he cared about me, I would worship him. And it's so hard when we start to wonder if God cares, when we start to wonder if God loves us. It's such a short step to wondering if we're lovable. And the shame just kind of rises up in our hearts and our face and our souls. Must be something wrong with me. Guilt is when I feel bad about something I did. Shame is when I feel bad about someone that I am. 
Can't you imagine the shame that's rising up in this woman's heart? I wasn't a good enough mother to help my daughter. Now I can't even get God's attention. I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. This is shame. But I'm telling you, this woman, she just won't stop. She won't leave. She keeps pleading. She's a broken outsider wondering if God even cares a candidate for a covering of shame. It's not an, It's enough to keep anyone from worshiping God. Let me ask you, how many barriers does it take? does it take to keep you from worship? Masks, politics, Netflix, something going on at church that you don't like, see well Sunday. <laughs> I don't believe like they believe, but she just won't stop pursuing Jesus. She will not stop pleading. She's travailing. Travail literally means work of a painful nature. The more simple definition of childbirth, painful labor, travailing prayer is pleading with hope. It's a groaning for new life, for the turn of a page into a new chapter. It's a pleading with tenacious endurance. And if she were here today, she might tell us, don't waste your breath in search of someone or something else. Don't waste your breath trying to satisfy your hunger or meet your needs apart from Jesus. Because if you don't stop, if you don't stop, if you don't stop, sooner or later, your desperation will turn to worship. Look at verses 25 through 27. Listen to verses 25 through 27. It says, but she came and worshiped him. Man, don't miss that phrase. She came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. And Jesus responded, it isn't right to take bread from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the crumbs that fall beneath their master's table. I mean, do not miss Matthew's definition of worship. She came and worshiped. Worshipped with a heart-moving song? No. Worshipped him by lighting a candle and meditating? No. Worshipped by giving a great financial gift? No. She came and worshipped him, pleading, Lord, help me. And in the last few years, God has given us some opportunities to worship him by pleading, Lord, help us. Because persistent pleading, don't quit grit, That's passionate worship. Do we get that? Do we really get that? That worship is far more than what we do in a building on a weekend. It's more than a song on a Sunday. True worship is initiated by God in the intersections of real life, sometimes brutally hard life. And if we have hearts to see, sometimes we might be surprised where God shows up and worship happens. Because sometimes the most elegant, most powerful worship encounters found when we simply cry out, Lord, help me. Sometimes this happens at the bedside of a dying mother or late at night as we cry out for our marriage. Sometimes it happens with a few friends around a kitchen table or as we love our neighbors or give sacrificially. It can happen in the workplace as we give our very best when only God will know. And yes, it can even happen in a building on a Sunday as we sing a song. How does Jesus respond to this woman's worship? (laughs) Oh, golly, don't ask. He calls her a dog. Rude at best, sexual harassment, racism at worst, right? Now, before you cancel Jesus, I just I want to tell you, Jesus is not having a bad day. Jesus does not have a compassion problem. Listen, there is never a time when Jesus doesn't have your best interest in his heart. He just knows there's something even more important than a quick answer for a daughter healed. What's more important is hope leading to faith. And I'm telling you, just imagine this. Every time this woman chooses to stay, she chooses to hope instead of walk away, her faith grows. 
her faith grows, and her worship intensifies. Jesus responded, it's not right to take bread from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the crumbs that fall beneath their master's table. Let me just pull out for a wide lens view. I don't know if you do this, but when I read the scriptures, the gospels especially, I usually identify with someone. I put myself in their sandals and I think about what I would do or how I would feel. And and usually we, or at least I, identify with the disciples. And can I suggest to you that in this moment of history, we are, the American church is the Canaanite woman. If there's any group of Jesus followers in the world today who should relate to this woman, it's us. We think we're the ones entitled to all the blessings of God. We think that we're the ones who are the top priority of the Spirit of God. We're the ones who, who are always at the very center of what Jesus is doing in the world today, but I'm telling you, I do not believe it's true. If God wasn't omnipresent, we wouldn't even be able to find him here. We'd find Jesus building the church of Iran or the fastest growing church in the world or Afghanistan, maybe hanging out in South Korea or Africa. The geographic center of the church has moved to the global south. To be honest, it would be hard for me to say that the American church is God's priority. It's far easier for me to say it might be good for us to come to Jesus with the humility of an outsider, maybe even a little bit covered with shame, and simply worship, whisper. Jesus, maybe we don't sit at the table. Maybe we're not entitled to the whole feast, but how about a crumb, Jesus? Do you have a crumb for me, for us? We've got nowhere else to go, Jesus. Just a crumb, Jesus. And it's hard to worship with a spirit of entitlement, but humility will create a space in his presence. I see way too much arrogance and pride in the American church. We hunger for comfort and control. We're greedy with entitlement. And I like to say, I mean the church in general, not my church specifically, certainly not your church, but come on, we're we're part of the church in general, at least the church in general in America. And I, I see too much pride in me and entitlement. But But here's a good thing. He's God. With a word, he created the world. With a sneeze, he parted the waters of the Red Sea. A day is like a thousand years, and nothing is too hard for him. He's the giver of every good gift, and and just a day in his presence is worth thousands elsewhere. We read that in the Psalms, right? Do you understand? Just a crumb from this God is enough blessing for all eternity. And I just think it would be good for us to come to God with humility and, and, and pray I'm not entitled, but I'm not disqualified, and I will not leave your presence. God, I I will not leave you, Jesus. I have nowhere else to go, so I will humbly wait for my crumb. See, this Christ encounter, I think it was a test. For the disciples, it was a test of compassion versus entitlement. Jesus wanted to see if the disciples would step in and speak up for this woman in the margins of life. He wanted to see if they would give up their time, their heart, their resources, if they cared enough about others that they would give up their time with Jesus for them, and they failed the test. But for this woman, it was a test of worship and faith. She passed with flying colors. When she approached, the disciples thought they were watching an annoyance, an outsider who should be sent away. They thought they were dealing with a spiritual deadbeat, but it turns out that this woman is showing them how to worship. The mask melts from Jesus' face as he lets the love that was always in his heart shine through. Oh, woman, he said, your faith is great. 
you have what you want. And her daughter was instantly healed. See, Jesus is so pleased because he has a passion to develop hearts that will endure and wrestle and persevere and refuse to be denied. People who cling to the goodness of God, even when they have every reason to walk away, because then every breath, every breath can become a moment of worship. So ask yourself as I close, will I let every breath praise the Lord? Sometimes our best worship moments begin with a deep desperation that finds its ultimate satisfaction in Christ. (laughs) Rather than read the whole psalm again, let me just challenge you, challenge me, challenge us to aim for a life where every breath praises the Lord. Father, thank you for each and every person listening. And I pray again for any person who can somewhat even identify with this woman. That they don't feel worthy. They feel like you're you're ignoring them. They feel like they're getting the silent treatment by you. That they've been ghosted by you. They're they're ignored, forsaken. God, I pray that you would do something in their hearts, even right now, as they refuse to give up, as they develop this "don't quit" grit. God, would you let them know in a way that's very personal for them that they are not forgotten, that they are not unseen, that they are seen, and that they are loved that they are known, that the one who knows them the best loves them the most. God, I pray that for the church, your church in America, God, would you help us? Would you help us to get rid of our entitlement and to come with an open hand of humility and surrender and just simply say, Lord Jesus, would you have mercy on us? We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.